This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Gary V, how's it going? It's great, Eric. It's great to see you. It's great to see you. What's shaking? You doing all right? Yeah. You know, just kind of like, it's so weird to have like a work day while I know the elections like in yes. limbo in the background. So it was a weird day, but all good. Happy birthday. Thank you. It's coming up. Yes. It when is, is it? Birthday. Today or tomorrow? No, 10 days. November 14th. Oh, I'm November 6th. Mm. I like that Scorpio life. Friday. I'm like hoping this shit is done by now. By the 20, time I... you, so it's your 25th? Yes. Friday? Yes. <laughs> Let's All get right. right into it because I have a hard stop. Okay, that. great. All right. Hit me about the Jets. You're going to buy the Jets? I am. In 20, I heard like in 27 years. That seems like a long time horizon for you. It is, but I don't amass wealth the way like a hedge fund or a VC or a Uber founder. Like I have pretty good self-awareness. I think I've got the capabilities of getting to that crazy level of financial success, but I just know I won't do it fast. And I just have to hope that the Johnson family's ready to transact when I'm ready to be able to afford it. And, you know, 20 to 30 years feels right. Do you, are you insistent that it's all your money? You know, the NFL has got some pretty hardcore restrictions around like you've got to have a pretty, so I, I think I'm going to have to amass some serious wealth. This is not going to be something I'll be able to finance. I mean, look, if, if I am unable to achieve it and the NFL is in a place where I can be part of a conglomerate, as long I need to be able to hire the GM. That is important to me. So okay. for example, if the Jets decide to transact in three years and some billionaire comes along and wants to buy it and she or he hits me up and says, Gary B, you know, like I'm going to do this, but I'd love for you to be part of my buying team. But, you know, you, you only have to put up, ten, you know, 25 million and you got a small sliver. It's very unlikely that I'll do that. I don't want to be the Jay-Z of the Jets. Yeah, you, like you want to have a meaningful ownership. I want it to be my next control. chapter of my, like I want yeah, this I to got be, you. yeah, so, you know, but you know, you don't get everything you want in life. I'm just going to try to focus on executing the parts I can control, there's just a whole lot of serendipity that goes along with having the timing line up. Totally. All right. I'm trying to buy a women's hockey team. What's your advice to me as someone who's clearly given a lot of thought to team ownership? Like what makes a good team owner? What do you look for? What kind of control do you want? Like, give me, give me the Gary V. Well, I think advice special. I think for you, if you go into that realm, and I've looked at a lot of women's sports teams because I think it's interesting. I mean, I'm blown away by some of the potential opportunities in softball, volleyball, soccer, proper, aka proper football, and women's hockey. Your biggest difference to me looking at the things I look at is you're going to need to elevate the sport, not just the team. Correct. Now, I believe you being the CEO of a company that I think has a platform to be able to actually pull that off makes, I mean, you're, you're, you're a smart operator. I've known you a long time. So I think your balance is you're going to have to be the Lamar Hunt, right? Or the Al Davis. So you're going to have to be not just an owner of a team. You're going to need to put the organization, the whole league on your back. Yeah, the whole- there, it needs to be put on the map. Like if you think about women's hockey, right? Like it's such a, it's actually very interesting. Like you're, what I love, I love you that you bleed the Jets. You've always bled the Jets. Like you yes. are ridiculous about it, but in yes. the most endearing, <laughs> prideful, humble way, right? Which I think you have to be and you, to love the Jets. 
but you do. And like, I am so hopeful for you that that is your next chapter. I can't imagine it. Not, I think you can will anything to happen. And I think I it's going to happen. I genuinely believe it's going to happen, but I understand. Keep going. Cause I'm, I'm excited about your point, which I think is going to be a good one. So, you know, I think the interesting thing for me about women's hockey is it's basically nowhere, right? Like you've got a players association, you've got a small nascent league. There's no real broadcast deal. There's no real sponsorship there's no scaled media operation around it. There's no production. There's no marketing. There's no merch strategy. Like there's just, it's, it, it's like Barstool 2016 in that it's very real. There's very loyal followers. It stands for something. It is something. All that needs to happen is like the lid needs to blow off of it. But the and lid then, needs to blow, blow off where the league needs a Dana White, a Vince McMahon, a Al Davis, like for example, and we work with Comcast at VaynerMedia. So, you know, we had the luxury uh, of working with the Lamaro twins and things of that nature. So I know a little bit more about women's hockey than probably, let's say, Perhaps the average player. Yep. So, and I looked a little bit into the league, a little bit, the nascent league. And then we, did, we, we just won a bunch of Clio awards for our Budweiser work on the women's yep. stock, right? So I've, I've actually, you know, and I'm wearing my version one. I, I'm in, I have ownership of the Minnesota Vikings ownerships in the esports leagues with Call of Duty and Rocket League. So I'm like starting the process. And ironically, and honestly, I may hit you up offline, like women's leagues are very interesting to me. I think there's real play over the next 50 to 100 years. And I like legacy like that. I like my grandkids being like, man, grandpa was really smart how he saw this. I think it takes innovation. So for example, I think the women's league may have to take a WWE model and travel. I'm not mm-hmm. sure that eight teams with eight home ices, correct. So yeah. that's one idea. Maybe that's right or wrong. Or it's I, like, I, I, I don't, it's like, it's kind of like the PLL, right? With the Rambles. Like they've done a good job of creating the festival. WWE murders the touring circus, right? They, they, they crush yep. the touring spectacle. Yep. I actually think the pandemic is one of the most massive opportunities for women's hockey because you a bubble for something yep. people don't yet know that they should care about or want to care about smart. is a way to concentrate and, and create heat. Smart. And then honestly, something that you, you know, and I talked to you about it at the time that I thought was brilliant, which is backyard fighting. Like I think everything's OTT and do I think you the human, like if you hit me up tomorrow and be like, hey, I'm doing this. Like, do you want to own one of the teams? And obviously that's very high risk capital, but knowing, knowing that you're thinking bubble, circus, festival, or whatever life, comma, knowing that I know, I mean, where I know you definitely know is the pay-per-view OTT new way of doing things is upon us. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you got something. You, you add a third element of a sponsor to give you a little bit of bankroll and you're kind of quote unquote on your way. And then it becomes... Connor McGregor, it becomes yes. No, or build the character. Correct. You can build the. That's what I'm excited. When Hulk Hogan and The Rock are going in the and Stone Cold wrestling's up here. When they're not, it's down here. When Connor and Ronda Rousey are up here, MMA was going. You know Ortiz and and all that. It it's going. It's it really when the Olympics have. Carl Lewis or Michael Phelps. It's like, it, we are in a star culture. Yes. And if you can get, you know, when Nadal and Federer and Joker are gone and if men's tennis goes through a lull, like it's all the same game. 
Tiger, Phil, I'll keep giving analogies. So all you need to do is Dana White, Vince McMahon, one female hockey player and get America slash the world to care. Yes, that's right. I agree with that. You can, do, you can help me with it. What and I've really thought a lot about women's sports because it's a really tricky one. It is. Because you look at the W, you know, like I think a lot about it. I think about the WNBA, I think about all this because it's, as you can tell, it's been on my mind and it's a tricky thing because I think the biggest mistake is everyone's done too much of a male model yeah, on it. I think that, so I agree with you. I, I think the assumption, this pisses me off, that a women's league has to be a sister to a men's league, I think is bullshit. I think slash, that's a- Slash, I think women naturally bring things to the table that men don't, but some of them are, are very difficult to play on. So if the formats are the same, and all that's the same, then the next question becomes off the field, right? And so for example, you know, nobody wants to run a women's league that also focuses on the Anna Kornikova aspect because like, you know, getting male fans out of beauty and attractiveness of female players, it doesn't feel very 2021. Right. Comma, comma, I really think it needs to almost become influencer marketing mm-hmm. and and just you just have to get America to care. Maybe this woman is also a teacher. Maybe then that's what captures the well, Christy McCollum. The shit out of the next girl. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like you can. To create, your point. I res, I actually agree with that. The things that I resent about the marketing of women, like I feel it for myself as well, which is they should be demure, they should be pretty, they should be good, right? This whole notion of good, and yeah. I think that that's. To, I think sometimes- or the reverse, or the reverse, the world you play in, which is she's a badass fucking, she just happens to be a fucking unbelievable CEO. She's a badass. Like, to, me, to me, it's about authenticity. If a girl, a woman, a lady is a badass, then that needs to be the story. If she actually- she all those things. I, well, that's the point. I feel that a lot of women stay away from showing some of the feminine Correct. side as an athlete because they don't want to be the Anna Kornikova. Right. Exactly. And I think it's a tricky, it's a, it's a very, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, and they're also not encouraged to be extreme because I think the biggest issue in marketing right now is fear of the fear of the extreme, right? Whereby you can play it safe. You play it in the middle. You're never going to lose a sponsor. Your broadcast part, your coach is never going to yell at you. You're through people are systematized right now. And that's why we're getting like, legions of people who look the same, dress the same, act the same, conform the same, which is what's, you know, we're in an era of influencer marketing or personality marketing or star marketing. It's harder and harder to get the stars. Well, because the, because the attention's amortized. Correct. Right. It's amortized. I actually think people look a lot. I think it's a little bit of, here's what I would say. It is very clear to me that somebody, hopefully you, will come along and find the format, the playbook that actually, it is clear to me that running a women's league the way men leagues are run will not work. Correct, I would agree with that. The the quality of the WNBA product is enormously high. The fact that that league is in the situation that it's in gives me triple affirmation to my belief that you can't do it exactly the same way. There's the normal subconscious tendency and like even though 2020 is very woke, men and women are different. Mm-hmm. But 
but nobody, I think, is gonna lean into, you know, we, we saw it actually, what am I talking about? We saw it, that lingerie football league, right? Like that's, totally. Like, like, totally. like, I don't think anybody wants to go there. What I'm looking for is the freedom for, if somebody can create a culture around a women's league where the women can go all the way on who they are, all the way. You wanna be considered a beauty icon, like truly a sex symbol? Go for it. Then it's safe in this league for you to go and be risque. You can have all the archetypes. The correct. Correct. You wanna, it's almost like glow, gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Yes. Big mama, tough one. Then Sally, I mean, Sally, the farmer's daughter, like made me a man. That was like the perfect age. I was like, wait a minute, what is that? Why do I feel these feelings? So like, I think, I think when I think back to that show and I think it was, redone up for Netflix in a different way, like and a documentary about it for people that want to know. I, I think that that intuitively feels right. And, and then the question becomes the following, which is how much, I mean, for example, I can't believe how much softball I watch clicking the channels. Hmm. ESPN, I mean, it's been on forever now. I don't know the ratings, the data, but clearly softball does strong enough for ESPN has kicked off a lot of things off their networks. They're not there for fun and games. They're not there because they want to support women. Softball rates. Hmm. So, you know, when you look at global volleyball, right? Women's volleyball. To me, I, I just think we're on the precipice of it. I really believe in it. When people talk about the next generation, I'm always like MMA, proper football, soccer, esports, basketball, those sports are set up really well yeah. for the next 50 years. I, but every time I say it in interviews and things of that nature, I'm always like, man, if I was gonna make real money, like put like back to grandpa was a genius. If I'm gonna put in 250 into something, little money, it's a lot of money, I don't wanna downplay it, yeah, but yeah, for sport. If I'm gonna put 250,000 into something that in 80 years is worth, 400 million, it is a 100% of female sports league. I believe that all the way. That's great to hear. How do you think about football, right? So you're talking about- American football? American football. I think it's clear. I think American football is where American baseball baseball was 30 years ago. It is clearly the big, it's enormous sport. There's nothing like the Super Bowl. But it's hard for me not to think intuitively that when I buy the Jets in 22 years, that the NFL will not be on the same pedestal it's been for the last two decades, which is the number one sport. And does that worry you or do you think that's an opportunity? I think it's an opportunity. I think, A, it's my passion. I made myself a promise in third grade that I'm gonna buy the Jets. And if football is not that big anymore, I don't care. You don't care, you're like, I'm gonna fucking own the Jets. In 25 years, I mean, look at baseball now, like Cohen just bought the Mets. Like, football's not gonna, like, everyone's like, football will be dead in 25 years. I'm like, guys. Football will be a bigger sport than baseball is today in 25 years in America, so it'll be still just fine. Now, will the NBA be bigger? Yes. Will, will soccer in the macro be bigger? Yes. Will, will the UFC slash MMA be bigger? Probably. Will, will, will esports kind of be bigger? Yes. Like that, like it could and very may well be. It doesn't worry me. And to your point, I'd love to be 22. You know, in 22 years, I'm, I'm 67. Honestly, I think I'm spending too much time with 80 and 90 year old businessmen and women. Like it feels, I'm gonna be, have plenty of fucking energy. Actually, how old is Mark Cuban right now? Let's look. Mark Cuban's young. He's probably he sub 50. Is he sub 50 or early 50s? Let's see. He is 
62. All right. So he seems young because he's about but to see, I love that that just happened, right? So look, 67-year-old me is going to be completely on fire and I'm going to come to the NFL and be like, I'm going to put you guys and gals on my back and I'm going to rebrand, I'm going to, I'm going to help. Let's go. Wait, so Gary V, here's my question for you, which is talk about the Mets transfer of ownership. Like what did you, what do you see in that? What do you learn from I it? Know, I know very little about it. I don't know a lot about Cohen, but what I know is, is new ownership from, uh, is always invigorating, exciting to watch. You know, I'm gonna, I just have been so busy. So I'm just a little undereducated on him, his background, but I know my Met friends are fucking fired up. Yeah, the Met people are fired up. Uh, I know that he's, quite wealthy, which should be able to help the team do some real damage. That sport, that is a factor. Um, I'm raising my son a Met fan, even though I grew up a Yankee fan, so I'm happy for him potentially. Do you think that there, look, one of the things I like about you owning the Jets is there needs to be, I think there's a new type of owner, right? There's new types of wealth, there's new types of owners, there's new type, like Cuban is a new a next gen owner, right? Gary V would be a next gen owner. Dave Portnoy would be a next gen owner, yes. right? Yes. That that's my only thing with the Mets is that like, look, good for the Will Ponds. T- take the biggest amount of money, like make it happen, whatever. But there was something to Mike Rapoli, Jennifer Lopez, yeah. Alex Rodriguez that it is invigorating culturally. Baseball might be the one place where just the sheer wealth of this gentleman, at least of what I heard, again, I haven't done any homework, may be enough. Yes. If you look at the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Yankees, I would argue that baseball is the fakest sport. Um, I do think it is the closest thing to real business. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I know here comes, what about Tampa Bay? And the, I, I get it, but... But what about the Yankees, Red Sox, and Dodgers over the last 20 years? What about that? And so, like, and I know baseball's done a, to, listen, farm system, young players, the, with arbitration and all that, you can build real franchises. I get it. But let's not be remiss to understand that money well spent by, yeah. uh, in baseball is, is a it's pretty- money well spent. Is money well spent. Yeah, and you, sure. you just, there is no salary cap, period, end yeah. of story. It is a very big likelihood that his wealth is stronger than the, the group that was trying to go yeah, after it. The Mets, I agree with you from like a pizzazz and energy standpoint. Yeah, but the knowing, Mets, the Mets fan, yeah, knowing the Mets fan base, yeah. I have a funny feeling consistently being yeah, in the playoff for the next 25 years, give it three years, is going to probably be something they're going to be happy about. Yeah, that's right. Okay, Gary V, I have nine minutes with you. I want to switch gears. Um, Tell me why you think LinkedIn is such a great place to grab audience. And do you think LinkedIn is a place where our bloggers should be or I should be? Like, give me your point of view. I think you have an interesting point of view on LinkedIn. I realized recently that my strength is understanding not only social media and attention, but the difference between organic and paid reach. I'm extremely good at doing, and Vayner thus is, at doing creative and media together to drive results in and and the reason I've talked so much about LinkedIn for the last 18 to 24 months is the same reason I've talked about TikTok, which is these platforms have enormous organic reach. So everybody listening right now who's a 25-year-old Erica and Gary that has something in them right. that nobody knows, 
can literally write a LinkedIn post right now and have 6,000 people read it and then get an email saying, hey, I'd love for you to work for yeah. me at the Blackhawks or at, at ESPN or at Time Warner or at P&G yeah. or whatever. So um, I, I'm blown away by LinkedIn's organic reach and I'm blown, in, blown away by the fact that you can now produce content of any type and manner. Like literally if you're selling hoodies for a streetwear brand, creating a LinkedIn account and posting creative on that platform is a good idea. Yeah, it's just free. It's free. It's just free attention. You got yeah, it. That's right. So, so yes, I think it's a huge play for you for B2B. Like you just giving observations. Like you, you, you sit at the top of an organization that is such a good deal for so many brands, but they have to get over themselves on political correctness or things of that nature. And so yeah. you educating through blog posts are going to reach more media buyers and CEOs and Procurement. Yeah, you have disproportionate, there's a disproportionate advantage. We see it with TikTok, right? We Correct. can grow our TikTok surpassed our Twitter in under two years because Correct. The, there's an accelerant. To My them. career when it's analyzed will be like, this guy understood when to get into platforms early and extract attention. And he built his notoriety, fame, whatever they're going to call it with no money by being quicker to know when this was happening. Attention. That's what I do for a living. Yeah, that's right. I agree with that. Okay. Um, the, my last thing is trading cards. Yes. I mean, that's a, literally, that's such You're a obsessed. way. I'm obsessed for the same reason of what we just talked about. I grew up with trading cards like many people, but I grew up with video games and, and, and candy and a million other things, right? Early hip hop, like it, three years ago, because I pay attention to attention. I'm like, uh-oh, something's happening because I am what I call a post-creative strategist. I'm very good at reading all the comments about everything all the time. I'm an anthropologist and I'm like, why are the, and this is, I mean, talk about a platform that should go all in. Yeah, no, Your permission to win, it came from your world. Like the, what I would call the barstool crowd and a slightly, not older, the barstool, the older echelon of the barstool crowd started talking enough about sports cards where I'm like, what's going on? And then, and then on a personal level, my, my son, my eight-year-old son, two years ago, was starting to get into it at six. And that, of course, is a common bod, perfect, that thing. And, and, and that, here's what happened. The sneaker flipper kids needed inventory because sneakers got tough. The gambling community realized, wait a minute, I can make more money if I do sports cards than just gambling. The 45-year-old dad that has seven-year-old community their seven-year-old got interested, and that's classic. That's generational. That's right, classic generational. And, and finally, the, the 45-year-old quite wealthy individual doesn't want to buy Jackson Pollock yeah. and, and like Sotheby's like rare art. They want to buy a $500,000 Michael Jordan rookie card because the, the casualization, casualization, the hip-hop urban, the dress-down of high net worth 40 year olds is now moving into, I don't want to have a douchey 1830s cup that I bought at Sotheby's for 5 million bucks in my apartment. I want you to come over and see the only Charizard PSA 10. It makes me cool. The same reason Bob Kraft wears cool Nikes is the same reason that 50 year olds are going to buy $300,000. It's already happened. I predicted three years ago, Logan Paul does buy X. Logic the Rapper does buy Y. Like this has happened. LeBron's talking about his rookie. Like I would argue, actually, you know what, Erica? 
I would tell you that the people that most think I'm a douche, don't like me the most, least are into me, least thought I was good, out of that whole crew, I've gotten the most accolades for nailing the sports card thing because they just, it, feel, it felt three years ago so left field and it has so actually happened. Yes, yeah, so you, you can imagine. Yeah. It's, a, it's a definitely one that I'm happy about for sure. Good for you. All right, Gary. I always love seeing you. I wish you all the best. I too, will root for you and the Jets to the, till the cows come home. So you keep me posted. I'm always here for you. Thank you for being okay. on. And everybody who's on listening to the podcast, thank you so much. If I could ever be a help, I love karma. So hit me up. <laughs> Bye, Gary. Bye, everyone. Thanks, everybody on the team Bye, that's sure. on this. See ya. All right, episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Thank you very much. Hey, podcast. Joe from Team Gary here. Today's highlighted review is Great Information by Lucas Dono. I really enjoy listening to these podcasts to learn more about the world we live in. Thanks to Lucas Dono. Keep those reviews coming. We could highlight yours next.